0: Well thank you to our worship team. What a great time of worship this morning. I especially love that last song. Um, yeah. It's all about the name of Jesus. There's no other name under heaven, given among men whereby so we must be saved. And that great promise in Philippians chapter two, that there's gonna come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Do I need to use the other microphone? Uh no. okay. well. Do I need to use the microphone? Are we not working online? What do we need to do? You're fine. We're out of Okay, well, if I that, if I need to change. I, I need these hands. i are holding something that just drives me crazy. Uh, that's, that's been my distinction of the difference between a good DJ and a bad DJ. When I'm invited, invited to officiate a wedding, the DJ hands me a microphone I have to hold. I know I'm in trouble. I'm in deep, deep trouble. It was Christmas Day, 1864. Henry had been in mourning for a year, a man in the throes of a deep sense of sadness and sorrow. It had been at Christmas time the year before that his wife Fanny had been trimming their daughter's hair and wanting to save some of the the clippings of hair for some reason. She was melting wax with a candle to preserve the, the hair and attach it to a piece of paper. And Some of the wax fell on her dress and it ignited and caught fire. And She ran into Henry's study and he wrapped her in a carpet. That wasn't enough. He wrapped himself around her trying to extinguish the flames. And sadly, she died the next day and he was so badly burned that he was unable to attend her funeral. And in fact from that day on was unable to shave and so lived the rest of his life with a really big big beard. Sadness and sorrow. And that Christmas of 1864 as Henry was writing in his journal as he did every day he received word that his oldest son Charles a lieutenant in the Army of the Potomac had been shot severely injured and and wounded, crippled for life by the injury that he experienced. And as Henry sat, reflecting and writing in his journal, he wrote these words, How inexpressibly sad are all holidays. I can make no record of these days. Better leave them wrapped in silence. Perhaps someday God will give me peace. I think of the story of Henry often, especially at Christmas time because so many people find the holidays a hard and difficult time. For many people, especially at Christmas time, one of the most elusive things is peace. And you and I live in a world that desperately needs peace. We need peace on the international level between nations, don't we? That's always been true. We need peace in in our own nation. You think of the conflicts going on, Republican versus Democrat, white versus black versus brown. Do you wear a mask or don't wear a mask? You get those, you know, that conflict going on. Uh, we need, we, we we just find ourselves in deep peace. And then people struggle in their personal lives with with finding finding peace. Peace is oftentimes so very, very elusive, and yet one of the things I believe about Christmas is that peace is at the very heart and core and center of the Christmas message. And I want you to see that this morning as we look at the scriptures together, how important peace is to everything that we embrace at Christmas time. And I want you to come with me to Luke chapter two this morning, part of the Christmas story. I don't want to read all of it, uh, we'll do that uh, probably in two weeks on the 20th, and we'll share that passage together. But in Luke chapter 2, very much in keeping with the song that we just sang, uh, angels, we have heard on high in their proclamation to the angels. In Luke chapter 2, I want to remind you of the message of the angels. In the beginning of verse 8, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields. And suddenly, there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom God is well pleased. And so you notice the mention of peace in the message of the angels. Peace is at the very center, the very heart of the Christmas message. I I want you to see this in four ways this morning. I want you to notice, first of all, that the promise of a promised Messiah, the promise of an anticipated Messianic deliverer, was a promise that was marked by peace. The passage that I read earlier this morning in Isaiah chapter 9 includes the familiar words, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given and the government will rest upon his shoulders, and his name will be called, how's the rest of it go? Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, and Prince of Peace. And it goes on and says that there will be no end to his kingdom, there will be no end to peace. And I was, I was thinking about that phrase, Prince of Peace. And historically, so often, those in places of kingship and prince roles in various kingdoms of history, they made their mark in history by doing what? Going to battle. They made their impact on history by being men of warfare. Uh, Alexander the Great comes to mind as a prince whose life was marked by conquest and battle. The promise of a Messiah was a promise of what? Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And so the very beginning of the Christmas story and the prophecies of the Old Testament was a promise of peace. Psalm 29.11 says this, The Lord will give strength to His people. The Lord will bless His people with peace. The promise of peace is at the very section of of the Christmas story, the Christmas message. How's your peace this year? How do you do it with peace? Do you find yourself consumed with a sense of peace and rest and calm and quiet? Probably not. Well, it's going to get worse if you plan to go Christmas shopping, right? I was out at Victoria Gardens out in Rancho Cucamonga a couple of weeks ago, picking up dinner. And as I waited half an hour for my dinner to be prepared to take home to my wife so we could share dinner together, I walked around that big outdoor mall out there, and one of the things that struck me, and this was fully two weeks ago, if not more, people standing in line to get into the store because they're limited on their capacity, right? And when you go Christmas shopping in the next two weeks, guess what? You're gonna spend a lot of time waiting in line. Was it, was it Maggie talking about waiting this morning? Yeah. I saw a 25 with that. I'm not a good waiter. I'm not a good waiter. I don't like lines. And I just walked around watching all these people stand in line and get into shop. And they're they're there like six weeks before Christmas. Peace. It's a very elusive. Very elusive thing. And yet the very beginning of the Old Testament prophecies was a promise of peace. The second thing that struck me as I've been reflecting on peace at Christmas time was this passage in Luke 2 that the proclamation of the arrival of the Messiah was marked by peace. Glory to God in the highest. Peace among men with whom God is pleased. The declaration of peace was at the very heart, the very soul, the very core of the Christmas message. Peace among men with whom God is well pleased. And isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that 33 years later, when Jesus came into Jerusalem prior to going to the cross, when Jesus came into Jerusalem on that occasion that we call Palm Sunday, when Jesus came into Jerusalem, what what was the proclamation and the declaration of people then? (laughs) The same exact message a proclamation of peace because of his arrival. In Luke 19, it says, He was now approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Peace is at the very heart and soul, the very core of our Christmas message. Any of you ever uh, print a little birth announcement? You had a you had a child, right? Somebody besides me has children in here, right? Okay, good. <laughs> Got a little nervous. And so, do you remember when you sent out your birth announcement? You printed a little card and you mailed it out to all your friends and family and. The the important information that was a part of this birth announcement for your child was what the date, the, date, okay. the weight, Wait. and the height. Oh, and the name. There you go. Don't forget the name. Yeah. Um, oh, I could tell you a story about that, but I don't have time. Um, and I I found myself thinking about birth announcements, and I was at my daughter's house this last week, and she still has on her refrigerator the birth announcements for. My son's two children. Two of my grandchildren. She still has them on her refrigerator. And one of them is nine and the other one is eight. (laughs) Birth announcements. And I found myself thinking of what we value and what we think is important in the announcement of a birth. And then thinking of this proclamation of the angels. Glory to God in the highest on earth. Peace among men with whom he's well pleased. We have our priorities in terms of birth and asking. This was God's priority. The proclamation that a Messiah would be a a person of peace. So we have the Old Testament promise. We have the proclamation of the angels. And then the third thing that struck struck me about this theme of peace as I've been thinking about this in recent weeks is that the very program of Jesus' ministry was characterized by peace. The life and ministry of Jesus was constantly, consistently, and over and over again filled with messages about peace. I think of Jesus frequently healing people, and after they're healed, he says, Go in peace. You think of someone whose life has been marked by leprosy, or someone whose life has been marked with a, a withered hand, or you think of the story of Jesus and the woman that had suffered from that flow of blood for twelve years, and the doctors unable to help her, and to think of people like that who Jesus healed in an instant of time—how much peace had they experienced in their lives before Jesus healed them? What was their experience? Not much. Not much. Their life was a life of turmoil, a life of conflict, a life of suffering. And added to that, in the culture of the New Testament, the culture of the Jewish view of life, if you were blind or crippled or had leprosy, guess whose fault it was? It was your fault. Because they believed that it was the result of sin. And so in addition to physical suffering, physical trauma, then there's the emotional trauma. The shame of, of it all. And for Jesus to heal in an instant of time, and then those simple words, go in peace. I'm a life-changing experience. The message of peace. If you remember the story of Jesus being asleep in the, the back of that boat out on the Sea of Galilee, and the storm that came up, and the winds that were blowing, and... Jesus is sleeping and the disciples are in total fear and total panic. And their words to Jesus are what? Don't you care that we're going to die out here? And the scripture says that Jesus spoke to the wind, spoke to the waves. What did he say? Peace. Peace, peace still. And I just think over and over again in the life and the ministry of Jesus, peace was what he brought to you. In John 14, 27, Jesus said this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Do we need to hear that message for peace today? Absolutely. Absolutely. John John sixteen thirty three, Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace in the world you have tribulation but take courage I have overcome the world how's your peace disorder how's your peace do you have a sense of, of calm sense of stability peace so many people don't Henry certainly lacked it and had that anticipation, even that heart prayer, maybe someday God will give me peace. Peace is at the very heart, the very center of the Christmas message, with the promise of the Messiah, in the words of Isaiah, in the proclamation of the angels, in the the very program, the ministry of Jesus during his lifetime. And then finally, my fourth thought, is that the plan for the Messiah's kingdom has always been a promise of peace. In Romans 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yet one of the great truths of Scripture... That we oftentimes lose sight of, and it, it oftentimes gets a little bit lost in the Christmas story, is that you and I entered into this life in opposition to God. That our life prior to coming to faith in Jesus was a life of opposition. The scripture says that we were enemies of God. And the great message of the gospel is. We have been justified. We stand before God totally forgiven and cleansed because of the blood of Christ. We stand before God totally forgiven. And we have peace with God. Is that like good news or what? That's like great news. So there's there's peace with God. And then the other kind of peace is what Paul spoke of in Philippians chapter 4. When he said, do not be anxious for anything. But with all prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And what? The peace of God will guard your hearts and your souls, hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's because of the message of Christmas that you and I can have peace with God as well as the peace of God. Peace is at the very heart, the very center the very core of the Christmas message. So, how your peace this morning? If Christmas is supposed to be all about peace, how come you have so little peace at Christmas time? The hecticness of the, s- the schedule, the busy activities. Oh, there'll probably be less activities this year with COVID, right? Less gatherings, less groups. But still, it's going to be hectic. Unless you do all your shopping online, guess what? You're going to be awake at one somewhere. I don't find that peaceful myself. Peace is at the very heart, the very soul, the very core of the Christmas message. And yet for many of us, peace is as elusive as it was for Henry. We live in a world that desperately needs peace. As I said earlier, peace internationally, peace nationally, peace personally. We live in a world where we desperately need peace. I don't know what your personal experience is, whether you're discovering peace here at Christmas time. One of the amazing things that happened for our friend Henry in this time of deep mourning, deep sadness, deep loss, was that as he journaled that day on Christmas Day in 1864, he wrote a poem, a poem that became one of our classic Christmas carols. And the words that he wrote reflect kind of his journey, if you will, from extreme sorrow, deep sadness, absence of peace, his journey to discovering peace, and so these words he wrote, Our Christmas Carol, I heard the bells on Christmas day. I heard the bells on Christmas day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. So I want you to put yourself for a moment in Henry's place. For a moment, place yourself in the quiet of your study, Place yourself with the loss of your wife a year ago, the injury and crippling of your son, the personal injuries that you experienced. Put yourself in that place. And then picture yourself sitting in your study, writing in your journal, what you're feeling, what you're thinking on Christmas Day. And then hearing the bells, the church bells, playing christmas carols. And those christmas carols are familiar, you know the words. And the words are all about what? Peace. <laughs> and he's hearing those bells and he says, I thought how as the days had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And he's reflecting on how long these songs had been sung, songs like Silent Night that had been written years before, other of those old familiar Christmas carols, listening to the bells ringing, that theme of peace on earth, in the midst of all that emotional, physical turmoil. Then he wrote the third stanza. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant, sublime, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Would you have used the word sublime? And then the next two stanzas are fascinating to me because you won't find them in any of our hymn books. The next two stanzas you'll never hear being sung by carolers on the street corner. The next two stanzas somehow have just kind of disappeared. But if you were holding in your hands today the journal that Henry wrote. Then from each black, accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south. And with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And so again, he's hearing the bells. Christmas carols, peace on earth. And he's thinking about the war, the cannon, his son injured, shot in battle. And that that thought of the cannon thundering, drowning out those carols. He goes on to write, It was as if an earthquake rent, the hearthstones of a continent, and made forlorn the households born, of peace on earth goodwill to men. Henry was a very, very sad man. Lacking peace. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow went on to write, And in despair I bowed my head, There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song. Of peace on earth, goodwill to men. There is no peace on earth. Hate is strong and mocks the song. We got a lot of hate going on in our world today, don't we? A lot of hate going on. Lack of peace. There is no peace on earth. And then the fourth stanza, he comes out of that blue, and he says, "Then peel the bells more loud and deep." God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, good will to men. And it's interesting to see his journey. His journey from deep, deep despair. And then the reminder that God is not dead. And there's still opportunity for peace. I love the story of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I love the story of of this great Christmas song. And now you know the the rest of Henry's story, his journey to peace. Peace is at the very heart of the Christmas message. How's your peace? How's your peace this morning? peace is only found in trusting the eternal, self-sufficient Almighty God. If we put our trust in anything else, we're in deep trouble, aren't we? Put our trust in our government? Not happening. Put our trust in other people? Sometimes that's helpful. But ultimately, the reminder, in the words of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow in this great Christmas carol, is a reminder that God's not dead. He doesn't even sleep. Never takes a nap. He's always there. My wife reminds me often that God works the night shift. He's always there. And truly, it can be said, there is no peace on earth apart from knowing the peace of God as well as the peace with God. You and I live in a world that needs to hear the messenger. Your family, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers need to know and understand the real message of Christmas. It's not simply a story about a baby born in a stable, but it's a story of the Savior that God sent to rescue us from our sin problem, right? That God stepped into human history when that baby was born. God became a man. what what an amazing story. What an amazing message. That Jesus, the eternal God, took on human flesh. Ultimately to go to the cross to to pay for our sin, our disobedience. And there's no peace with God apart from putting our faith and our trust in Jesus. The people that we live with and around need to hear the message because peace is at the very center of the Christmas story. How's your peace this morning? That's a first question. And then how do you perceive peace in the hearts and lives of people around you? Do you find their lives marked and characterized by peace? Not much. A lot of turmoil. A lot of unrest. God made us a people of peace at Christmas time. And Lord, that's my prayer this morning as we share these moments together. That as we celebrate the birth of our Prince of Peace, as we celebrate the truth of peace with God and peace of God, we are so grateful this morning for our Savior Jesus. We're grateful not only for His birth, but we're grateful also for his death, his sacrifice for sin. He paid the debt we could have never paid, and we're grateful. And I pray this morning that for each one of us, we might find peace here at Christmas time. And Lord, give us a sensitivity to people around us that need to hear the gospel message, they need to hear the story. Of the Prince of Peace, might we become your ambassadors of peace in these weeks ahead? Is our prayer together this morning in Jesus' name? Amen. Go ahead and stand, and we'll sing that song later on Christmas
1: Day.
0: this week with God's blessing upon you, on your life, your family, and God's blessing upon your ministry as we become His ambassadors to reach a lost world for Him. Have, a, have a just a great, great week. And enjoy your time standing in line. <laughs>